All right, Amos chapter 5, verse number 16, as follows. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live, lest he break out fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. You turn judgment to wormwood and leave off righteousness in the earth. Seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion and turneth the shadow of death into morning, and maketh the dark day with night and calleth forth the water of the sea and poureth them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong, so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. For as much, therefore, as your treading is upon the poor, and ye take him burdens of wheat, ye have built houses hewn of stone, but ye shall not dwell in them. Ye have planted pleasant vineyards, but ye shall not drink wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just. They take a bribe and turn aside the poor in the gate from their sight, from their right, excuse me. Therefore, the prudent shall keep silence in that time, for it is an evil time. Let's pray before we talk about these verses. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have it to learn from, to study, to gain knowledge from. Lord, we ask that you bless this church right now, that we spend this time in the Sunday school hour, that we know that learning your word is right, that having your word in our life is right, that your word may be spoken, and that it may be in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue our study of the book of Amos. If you remember, the theme of the book of Amos is judgment, right? That's our one-word summary. If you learn nothing else from our Bible study on Amos, you learn one thing. He's talking about judgment. We'll be looking at chapters 4, 5, and uh, 6. Uh, 3, 4, 5, and 6, right? Uh, which are three kind of like speeches about judgment. And five is the last one. We know these are speeches because it starts with the same thing. It starts with like, hear ye, hear ye this, right? Kind of call of attention. Listen to me as I say this. And so Amos is talking about a few things, a few messages from God. All these messages, of course, also ultimately relate back to the subject of judgment. Last time we started off with the first five verses about about this uh, chapter five, the most recent speech that we had, right? And once again, it talks about how you know, Israel is going to face this judgment. That's what it starts off with. Last time we read about how you know, a city that had 1,000 will wind up with 100, right? Like a 90% death rate, right? Some horrible, horrible judgment is coming to Israel. And what is the solution? In verse 4, and we'll see also in other verses in this chapter, we have this new phrase that will get repeated. Seek ye, right? So in verse 4, it says, seek ye me, and ye shall live. Seek God, and you're going to live, right? A pretty simple message, actually. Not that complicated to say that if you seek God, he will deliver salvation. But he made it clear in verse number 5, it's not just any seeking of him. And this is what we said last time. Last time we looked at verse number 5, he said, seek me, but not what? But not in Beth, but seek not Bethel, right? Seek not Gilgal, seek not Beersheba, right? What's wrong with all these places? All these places were not the places that God had designated them to worship, right? We all know that the temple was in Jerusalem, right? They're supposed to go to Jerusalem to worship. Instead, when they finally said, oh, let me seek God, they still want to do it the lazy way. They want to do it their way. Oh, I'm going to seek God in Bethel. It's closer to my house. I'm going to seek God in Gilgal. That was a famous place. That's good enough, isn't it? And the answer is wrong. And the answer is that's wrong. God has 
his way of repentance. His way, and only his way of repentance. There's no other way. And that's still true today, right? People can say that, oh, I want to go worship God in my own way. I have my own special way of worship. That's not what it says in the Bible, right? The Bible says go to church. You don't do your own special thing or whatever on your own. It's true for salvation. You want, to sal- you want salvation? You want to go to heaven? There's one way, through Jesus Christ. People say, well, we'll do their own thing. Oh, I'm going to be a good person and I'll be happy with the way I live my life. And surely God will bless me with salvation. Is that right? No, that's not right. That's not repentance God's way. So even back in the days of Amos, the emphasis was doing it God's way when it comes to worship. To seek me if you want to live, but you got to seek him the right way. Same thing today. Seek me if you want to live. Are we seeking him the right way if we want God to save us, including saving us from our sins? We're going to the next thing about seeking the Lord in today's verses. Verse number six, it says, Seek ye the Lord, and ye shall live, right? Lest what? Lest he break out fire in the house of Joseph, right? It's talking a little bit about judgment, right? Ye who turn, verse 7, ye who turn judgment, and here's that word again, judgment, judgment to wormwood and leave off righteousness on the earth. And we'll talk more about this verse in a second, but let me get through uh, verse number 8, 9 first. We'll go back to 7. Verse number 8, seek him. So again, here's that word, seek. Seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion. So you guys know what Orion is, if you know your constellations and stuff. It says you have to seek the God that created the stars, right? When we talk about someone that can help us avoid judgment, who better is it than the creator of everything, right? It says here, God made the seven stars. He made Orion. What else does God do? Turns the shadow of death into morning, right? He makes day and night. He makes the day dark and night. He calleth the waters of the sea and poureth them out on the face of the earth, right? He makes it rain. This is our powerful God. It says what in verse number eight? The Lord is his name, right? That's the Lord. That's who we seek. It said earlier in verse number four, seek me and you shall live. Who are you seeking? You're seeking this powerful, powerful God. The one that makes the stars, that makes the day and night, that makes the rain. This is the God we're talking about, right? But what's the problem? What's the problem? And this is what we'll focus on a little more today. The problem was, as we skipped over a little bit before in verse number 7, and we'll talk about in verse number you know, 10, 11, 12, whatever, is that the people of Israel were turning judgment, which is supposed to be fair, just, righteous, it turned into wormwood. And wormwood, the idea of wormwood is that it's like rotted wood, right? You can imagine a piece of wood with all these like insects crawling in and out of it and worms and stuff like that. That's not a sturdy piece of wood. That's not a wood you can trust. You're not going to build your house out of wormwood, right? But this is the image that God had created for us of how Israel was treating people. Let's go on. In verse number 10, the people of Israel, they hated them that rebuketh in the gate and abhor them that speaketh uprightly. People that speak uprightly, people that speak honestly, truthfully, they didn't like them. 
What is this? Because in verse number 11, what do they like to do? They like to tread upon the poor, right? Take from him, take from the poor, burdens of wheat, right? Verse number 12. I know your manifold transgressions, the things they did wrong, right? Your mighty sins. They afflict the just. They take a bribe. They turn aside the poor and the gate from their right. And the prudent shall keep silent in that time, for it's an evil time. That was verse 13. Again, I think we looked at this a little bit before we talked about judgment on Israel and Judah, about how people there did not have any compassion at all toward the poor, right? That they would step on them for their own self-centered, right, selfish needs. And here we have something even more extreme, talking about how Israel treats the poor. Treated them unjustly, unrighteously, basically unfairly. You can imagine, you can imagine that there's some dispute between like, some rich guy in Israel and some poor guy, right? What does it say here? Oh, they probably went to the government to solve their dispute. But what does it say here? They do stuff like in verse 12. They would like bribe the official. Hey, I'm rich. Here's some money. Are you going to side with me, Mr. Government guy? And of course, they take the bribe and they side with him. That results in total injustice. It's not about who's right, who's wrong, what's fair, what's not fair. It's about I have money and I can abuse you, the poor guy. And we know that theme, that idea, something that resonates with people even today. We hear about it today, even in like uh, some of the political discourse of the day about you know, uh, you know, inequality today, right? Income inequality, class inequality, that kind of stuff. And we know the at least the uh, the general American ideal is this, right? We hope to have a country, and this is the ideal, right, where we have um, equality of opportunity, right, and equality of justice, right? It's true that not everyone in the United States is like 100% equal. We're not all the same. There's some people rich or poor. But the goal is that, hey, before the law, it should be that we are all equals in that sense, right? We all get the same one vote, right? Your vote is as much counts as much as Bill Gates votes, even though he has like billions of dollars more than me, right? It should be that, you know, when I go to court and I'm going against some other guy, it doesn't matter if that guy has like a million dollars and I only have $10, the judge is supposed to rule fairly or the jury is supposed to rule fairly. That's the ideal, right? That's ideal. And that's the way we think it ought to be. But as we know, as we know even today, even in supposedly advanced uh, 21st century America where we know all about rights and equality and all this stuff, we know that there's still a lot of stuff that favor people that have more money, right? And it's just the way the system seems to have been built over the many, many years and generations that sometimes it's not fair. It seems like, hey, why do these rich guys get like special treatment? You know. One thing maybe I couldn't relate with that I heard from one of my uh, people that used to work with me, and she was one of our staff in her office, you know, was related to like banking, right? Now, I'm not like super poor, so, you know, I have bank accounts and all these things just like everyone else. And I've never thought one second about what's the problem with banking or whatever, right? 
You know, usually a bank, you put money in there, write checks, whatever, right? Normal. Everyone else does that. I'm sure all you guys do that. But this one assistant we had, she told this whole long story about how when she got like a paycheck from her office, it's like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. I can't do anything with this. I had to, I tried to like go to like a check cashing place and they were going to charge me like some ridiculous sum of money to cash my paycheck. And then I couldn't deposit this into a bank or whatever, and I couldn't get my money. And she told this long story, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, every time I've, in my life I've gotten a check, I just go to the bank, and I deposit it, right? And that's it, right? And you get the money. But evidently, like, her credit was so bad that she couldn't get bank accounts, and like, all this, like, weird stuff she was telling me. I couldn't relate. And she's like, you know, this is terrible. The system is, you know, discriminating against us people that don't have money. Like, you guys have, all, you know, have money. That's why you get all this free banking services. I'm the one that least afford it. How come I get screwed over and I have to pay the most for banking services? I have to go to the check cashing place and have them eat a whole bunch of my paycheck, right? I never thought about that, but that's true. That's how our system is. Oh, is that doesn't seem too fair. Even at, like, you guys know if you go to like a Chinese restaurant sometimes, you see the difference. You know, I go to Chinese restaurants and order stuff and you know, usually I don't, I'm trying to be reasonable, right? And that's why I'm trying to get dinner and whatever. I don't order like the fanciest things, but you notice this and I notice this too. You know, sometimes you'll just go to the restaurant and you sit down, you order your meal, whatever it is, $100 meal, $200 meal. But the table next to you, they want to order the fancy like seafood dinner and it costs like $1,000 or whatever. But guess who gets like the A-plus service, right? You can literally see it. Oh, they're like going over there all the time, checking up on them. Oh, do you want to order for them? Like, do you want more, more this and that? You got napkins or whatever. And then for you guys that are, for guys like me who order just a regular meal, it's like the waiter does not even bother to stare at you. It's like, when are you getting out so this table can be flipped over to a better customer where it can get more tips, right? Like, to throw your food down, get out. I need, you know, I need someone that spends more money. Help me make more money. Right? You guys have probably felt similar things like that in your life, right? You see how, like, hey, sometimes it's not right how we treat each other. Someone's rich or poor, and the rich get special treatment. It's not fair. We know that doesn't feel good when it happens to us. And God knows it didn't feel right when Israel was doing that to the poor people of their day in such an extreme situation, right? Causing such injustice to the people of Israel, the poorer people of Israel, basically having them stepped on by the rich people, by having them being abused. When it talks about speaking in the gate, it is literally talking about things like going before the government, going before constables, going before the officials. That's what that gate is talking about, right? That if there is no justice for them. You know, folks in our own lives, we should be conscious of that too. Do we treat people fairly and equitably and, you know, not discriminate? and judge based on, oh, I like this guy because he's rich, I don't like this guy because he's poor or whatever. Shouldn't be like that in the way we operate our lives or businesses or whatever, because that's the way, not the way God operates, is it? God never once said, oh, I'm gonna favor this family because they're the rich one. No. God, in fact, is the most egalitarian of all in that he says, this is the one way you come to me through Jesus Christ, right? It doesn't matter if you're the richest of the rich or the poorest of the poor. All of you guys can be saved exactly the same way. I'm not saying the rich people, you get an easier way to go to heaven. Nope. Or the poor people, I make it harder for you to go to heaven or whatever. Poor people, I make it harder for you to go to church. Nope, nope, nope. Nothing like that. The goal should be that it's all 
equal. We know from history, though, that people, even purported people that believe in God, pervert that message of being equal and sharing the gospel with as many people as possible, not caring, all this stuff like that. Most famously, you look at things like the Catholic Church, right? Where everything about their worship turns on money. Oh, you need to give the priest money before I do this service for you. If you don't do the service, you might not get saved. This is the Catholic idea, right? You need money to buy this indulgence from the Pope to, to uh, forgive some of your sins. Oh, you don't have money? You're out of luck. You poor people, you can't do that? You're out of luck. You might not get to go to heaven. That's a Catholic idea. That's terrible now, isn't it, right? It's so, so ingrained, though, in, in their in their way of worship and their style, that that's the way they've been doing it, right? A way to basically abuse their people out of money and favor those that do have money. Oh, you have lots of money? We can have our priest pray for your forgiveness of your sins so many times. You can do your confession whenever you want. You're the special, special chosen one. That's totally wrong. So we criticize people like Catholic for that. But believe it or not, believe it or not, there's also so-called, you know, Christians that do the same thing even today. Kind of shocking. But you see them on TV doing stuff like this, right? Oh, you know, call this number and donate this money and I will pray for you, right? Give me money and then I'll pray for you. Give me money and I'll help you do whatever it is in your uh, spiritual life. I'll come and uh, uh, do a thing for you or whatever. Folks, that's equally as bias and unrighteous. You hear Melvin say this all the time. People ask him to pray, pray for him. He says, what? I never asked for a single dime. Because that's right. It shouldn't be that, oh, only if you can afford it, Melvin will pray for you. Oh, you don't have money? Melvin's not going to pray for you. It's the same for all of us, right? You can ask me to pray for you, charge zero dollars. That's the way it should be, right? To do anything otherwise is basically saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be fair. I mean, unfair, because you are poor, I don't care about you, I don't pray about you. And that's the wrong attitude, right? That's the wrong attitude. It shouldn't be. It should be that we make our worship, our church, our faith something open to all. There's a reason why when, like, for example, the middle church sells the Bible, it costs how much? One dollar. You know, the Bible cost, probably costs more than a dollar, whatever the cost that they bring it in. Why they make it so low? So that everyone can have a Bible. So it's not like, oh, you know, I can't afford a Bible. I can't read it, right? So no kid has that excuse, right? We want to make it so that everyone has a chance to get the Bible. It's only $1. You can't say, I'm so poor, I don't even have $1, right? Likewise, there's no other charge for anything else we have here at church. And try to keep things low as possible, whatever. Chinese school is only $55 a year. Some of you guys went flyer passing. I went flyer passing, right? You heard some of these parents ask me, oh, is it $55 a month? And that's what they asked me, right? I said, no, it's $55 a year. And they're shocked, right? Like, what do you mean? A year? $55 a year? I said, well, call that number and ask them and you get the details. I'll tell them that, right? Right? We keep the costs low because we don't want to discriminate and say, oh, if we made the Chinese school cost like $500 a month, who could afford it? Who could get saved? Well, only the richest of the rich, right? Only people that can afford it. But if you make it $55 a year, everyone can get saved, right? 
There's not many people who can say, you know, this is over the course of 12 months. What's 55 divided by 12? I don't even know. I can't do my math, right? But that's like, what, less than $5 a month. Is there really some parent who says, I can't afford like $4 and whatever cents a month for Chinese school? Probably not. Probably not many people. But that's the idea. We don't want to discriminate. We don't want to say, hey, this is for the select few. This is only catering to the rich people or whatever. No. God wants a just and equal, a faith that is full of people that have compassion for all and not just for the select few. Amos criticized Israel that they were doing even worse than that, not just favoring the rich, but literally stomping down on the poor, bribing government to stomp down on the poor to get sure they got their way. Folks, we got to be cognizant in our own life to make sure that we, in our life, in our practices, make sure that we try to uphold that God standard of equality and justice and righteousness. All right, we're out of time. Let's bow forward a prayer before we continue with more of chapter 5 next time. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have to learn from. Lord, we see one of the problems Amos identified in the, in the people of Israel was that they really stomped down on the poor. They were really unfair to them. Lord, help us to be cognizant of our own life, that we don't discriminate against people for any reason, including about being poor, and instead work to do the best we can to share the gospel with as many people as possible, all, all types, all ages, all income groups, whatever, that we do your work and share your love with everyone. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.